Welcome back to another Rambling About Rivers podcast with myself, Dan. And Jane from the Rivers Trust. And we are here in Lincoln at the Engine Shed, a beautiful venue here. And we're here for... Uh, the Rivers Trust Spring Conference 2020. Um, I can't believe it's already spring, but there we go. I know, well, well the weather's certainly not uh, spring-like, but anyhow. No. Um, but we, we have been joined by a very exciting person today, um, someone who was our keynote speaker at the conference this morning. Yeah, so before I do, uh, this is a podcast uh, and a place to talk all things rivers from the impacts of climate change to river health. We're going to be taking you on a journey to hear the many ways people are looking after and saving our rivers. So today we're joined by Alex Beasley from Patagonia, um, the country manager for the UK, Ireland and the Nordics. Patagonia have played a really active and important role in supporting the kind of grassroots activism movement, uh, which has really enabled us as a Rivers Trust to tell our story. Right, today we are joined by Alex from Patagonia. Almost 40 years, Patagonia has supported grassroots activists working to find solutions to the environmental crisis. Alex, hi. Hi, nice to see you both. Thank yeah. you for having me here, much appreciated. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's great to have you on. So I want to take it back to the start of Patagonia because I find Patagonia a very interesting brand. Yeah. What is Patagonia? Yeah. Um, I guess the first thing I should say is I obviously wasn't there at the start. Yeah. Uh, even though I've got grey hair, then I'm not quite that old. <laughs> God bless it. Um, but so we... Uh, we're still owned, we're founded and still owned by Yvonne Chunard um, and his wife Melinda. Um, we're 47, 48 years old. We originally started um, making climbing hardware for the lifestyle that he had. He's been a, a renowned climber, he was climbing in and out uh, Yosemite along with many other peaks, made carabiners, taught himself blacksmithery, made pitons, uh, made carabiners, sold them, did that over the winter, then went off climbing in the summer. Then started, then took a big trip to Patagonia with uh, a guy called Doug Tompkins and another friend of theirs. That was a life-changing experience for the both of them, which they both quite openly said. So Yvonne came back from there and started a clothing company because there wasn't much margin in climbing hardware. Doug went on to go and found the North Face. Um, and then from there, then Patagonia grew uh, from that stage, mainly based around making clothes for the outdoor sports and the lifestyle that they loved. Surfing, climbing, fishing. fishing. Yeah, awesome. Anything. And it's kind of functional clothing and fashion, right? Is that no, not fashion. Not that, fashion. No, not fashion. Right. No, that's that's something that we're actually we're battling against. Right. Cool. Uh, because we don't we don't purposely make clothes that you would consider fashionable, although we yeah. don't think we do. Yeah. Um, but then I, I guess as a result of the the almost counterculture position of the company, the fact that when people go right, we'll go left just out of bloody-minded stubbornness, then I guess that counterculture movement, especially at the moment, is particularly relevant. So as a result of that, you kind of find yourself in a position where you might be classed as fashionable or cool, even though we don't really aspire to be that, if that makes sense. The kind of whole drive behind uh, the product that we make is that it's uh, functional, it's durable, it's designed around the outdoor sports uh, that we know and love. And even the sportswear product that we make, you could still go out backcountry touring in some of that product. Um, it's all centered around that and durable so it lasts. So you don't, you buy buy once, make it last a long time, we'll repair it, 
whatever it might be. Awesome. Yeah, so you have an initiative called Warmware, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the idea behind Warmware is um, you can bring us back any product. Uh, when we have these, so we, we do them as tours uh, yeah. throughout the country yeah. at certain times. The idea behind it is you can bring us any outdoor product uh, from any brand. Any brand. Any brand, so and good. we'll repair it free of charge. There's a guy called Rick Ridgeway. Have you heard of Rick? You're no. a climber. No. No, 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 no. So Rick Ridgeway is part of the uh, American team that first summited K2. Okay. Uh, he, he's yeah. been involved with Patagonia um, for a long time, since the early 80s. Um, long time friend of Yvonne's. So when I first met Rick, uh, Rick told me a story about where Warmware came from. So the idea behind it came from the advert that we ran in 2011 um, yeah. in the New York Times, Don't Buy This Jacket. That was run at a time when people yeah, were buying lots lots and lots of products. It was the first time, I think, that Black Friday was going on. So at yeah, that time, yeah. we said to people, we wanted them to buy less. Don't buy more. Yeah. Buy less. So we ran that ad. Uh, the ad was um, too, it didn't work because right. um, sales actually grew by 30 odd percent <laughs> which we weren't happy about because people weren't reading the message in the copy <laughs> and the copy was all about this uh, this it was a it was a fleece I think it was an R1 fleece uh, this fleece uses X number of litres of water I can't remember how much it was off the top of my head and every time you buy one and this is the amount of water that's used to produce this jacket yeah. if you don't need was it, it don't buy fleece? it yes oh, right. yeah don't okay. buy it right. um, and then in the middle of the copy were four words uh, reduce reuse, repair, recycle. And okay, before somebody chucks it in to recycle, let's repair it, how do we do this? So we got a truck, sent it out around the um, campuses in America first, yeah. uh, worked really well from there, then it became bigger and bigger, then we took it over here. Yeah. But then repairing's been a big thing in the States for ages anyway, because we, you, you've always been able to sell your product, send your product back um, yeah. in the US and get it repaired and send yeah. it back. So here it was a new thing. Got a friend that does uh, a lot of stuff in uh, Yosemite and stuff, and I think he says he's had these the same trousers for like fifteen years. Yes, <laughs> yeah. big off with cracks, granite, and he's, he's he loves it. Yeah, well, I think when you see, um, I, I've been out on the tour myself when we first did it uh, a couple of times. But the um, when you see uh, Martina, who's a seamstress, yeah, uh, what she's able to repair oh, in a hut, it's uh, unbelievable. And they're all over, you know. So I was in Portugal. Uh, during one of the uh, WSL yeah. events, and yeah. there they were. It's really cool. So yeah, we've gone everywhere with them. Not, not, you know, it wasn't all big and singing dancing. It was just no. kind of there. No, that, that's that's kind cool. of not our style. I think yeah. um, when we first did it, we took it to, um, we did it through stores, and it's and then we held events yeah. uh, around each one. Uh, then we wanted to change it because we thought, well, rather going to stores than being at stores, are we actually just. Um, are we getting the message across in the right way? Yeah, and just actually encouraging con con consumerism. Again, in a different way. Also, yeah, yeah and, um, so we decided, okay, no, we're going to stop that. What we'll do instead is we'll take it to the places where things are happening. So we yeah. split it into two. Yeah. We started a surf warmware. Yeah. So we took uh, the hut uh, down to surf spots. Yeah. And the idea there is, okay, we're also going to repair wetsuits. Yeah. So repairing wetsuits, watching, so Martina's skills herself up to repair wetsuits. We can repair wetsuits by the beach, stop people buying any new ones, do it from any brand, no problem. Awesome. And then we did it in, we had a snow sport, a snow sports one. Uh, we've done that for two years now. So it goes to resort, oh. uh, uh, repairs snow sports gear on resort, which is cool. And the one that we're trying to coordinate now is climb. How can we get to crags and repair climbers because you know as well how tight climbers are right yeah absolutely <laughs> and also there is a bit of you kind of 
build a bit of a relationship with like a jacket, don't you? Yeah. You know I mean? Like an old, yeah, an old jacket always. Yeah. Feels, yeah. feels like, you know, you're That's putting your on a friend if you're looking at jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I can't climb without this jacket. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah exactly. So, <laughs> I say it kind of carries the, it carries the stories. You touched on there about the Black Friday movement that you guys kind of don't like. switched on its head a little yeah. bit and really really admire that like and you you, you still do that now don't you yeah. of how you switch it around and, t- and yeah. turn it around to the customer so do you want to talk about the one that you did recently yeah two years ago in response to black friday uh, we did uh, this was an i uh, an idea from one of my colleagues in the copy department in ventura he came up with the idea of um instead of um Instead of trying to get everybody uh, to buy, not to buy, we know what's going to happen that people are going to buy. Um, what about if we said that for any Patagonia product, if anybody buys anything from us, we will give everything away. So not the 1%, not the profit, the whole cost to make and sell that jacket, we will give all of the money away. Um, so that went from idea to uh, approval within a week, and then we sent out copy globally um, and the idea was we thought that we, the best Black Friday, if we could ever say that, because we don't discount on it, um, was something like $3 million, I think, globally. Um, so we budget, maybe we get an upset, uplift of 4 to $4 million. We actually did $10 million, and we gave every penny, every penny of $10 million away. And then the question was, okay, how are we going to do that again? <laughs> and then um, how do we do that if we decide to? But then we linked it back to actually, even if we're not giving a discount away, but we're giving everything away, all the proceeds away, we're still encouraging people to buy stuff. Do we need to do that? How can we do it differently? So the idea then was, okay, with the launch of ActionWorks that we did in October of last year in Europe, then, okay, could we link into that within the States? And then instead of encouraging people to buy a physical product, actually look on ActionWorks, find an NGO that we support that's in your local area, make a donation, we'll aggregate it all up, and then we'll match that donation. So I think the first thing, and this is almost the important thing, because I think people get focused on the fact that we matched it. It's actually the community raised $10 million globally again. Mm. Um, so people individually donated 10 million quid uh, dollars. That's amazing, I love it to be quid. I think that's, 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 really that's the story. And then the yeah. fact that we matched it is great. But it's not. It shouldn't be the focus. You know, the fact that we now got this pot of twenty million yeah. on top of one percent commitments is a stick in there. I don't know. A finger in the eye, two fingers up to um, the political systems that we're all challenged with at the moment to say actually there are people that do acknowledge we are one hundred percent in the climate crisis mm-hmm. and the people that are going to get out of this mess are probably going to be businesses, going to be um, individual like us that are doing something different and by us I mean you guys opposite me on this table in the Rivers Trust yeah. and you look at that and say okay that's what's going to make the government turn around and acknowledge we need to be doing more absolutely go back to the um, 1% for the planet what kind of things has that been funding what do you think one of the most interesting things it's funded um, for you? So to answer the first part of the question, yeah. uh, we fund a whole host of things. It can be anything from funding you guys where you're looking after and protecting waterways yeah. to guys like Save Our Rivers uh, campaigning against small hydro schemes 
to uh, biofuel watch who are actively looking to stop uh, biofuel being used in Drax power station yeah. uh, through to uh, surfers against sewage through to friends of the earth um, a whole host of things yeah um, where I've got most value from and this is this is very personal was um, I get I've, I've always got a lot out of talking to Alistair and I've always got a lot out of talking to Dan from Save Our Rivers yeah I remember uh, the first time I went to meet uh, Dan and his crew Dan Tom 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 and another guy whose name wasn't Tom or Dan, which was funny. But um, uh, Dan was so sceptical about us at first. He thought that we were just a, a corporate that wanted to click, tick a CSR box. Yeah. And that um, we'd give him some money and then we'd put their logo on. We'd want our logo on their email or whatever. And then that'd be it. And we'd give him some money and that's it. He was so sceptical about us. And um, I was um, a little bit intimidated uh, by these kayakers yeah. and by what they were looking to do to stop that hydro scheme going in on the River Conway and um, I understood more in that day that we spent in Betisie Coid about the challenges of local rivers, what they have, yeah. um, the impact that renewable energy in inverted commas as I thought it was back then would have on a river like yeah. that, what it meant to the community. Um, I learned so much within that space and thought, uh, this is why I. This is why I'm at Patagonia. Yeah. Um, this is why I'm here. Th these are the things that I want to support. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I think the thing that got Dan to realise that we weren't after anything was when I spoke to him a couple of weeks later, and there was um, a change in the planning process. I think at the time, which meant that um, there was um, there was something going on in the local community that he wanted a newspaper ad, and they didn't have the, the money for a newspaper ad. So he said, can you pay for the newspaper ad? Yes, I'll pay for the newspaper ad. How much will you pay? I'll pay all of it, Dan, it's not a problem. Really? Mm. Yeah, all of it. What do you want in return? Absolutely nothing. Nah, come on, you want something? <laughs> no, I don't want anything, I want absolutely nothing. I want to help. And if this is a way that I can help, then no problems, we're all in. Awesome. And then from that, everything that spun off, uh, that was a point for us in the UK and by that I mean uh, me, Lisa, Becky, Darren, Steve, Ed, Rich, uh, Robbie at the time, um, to actually understand that we can have a positive impact uh, by helping support a grassroots organisations so we feel like we're making a difference and we're not part of the problem, we're part of the solution. Awesome. Because obviously you've grown from having four organisations interested in this grant funding that you offer, mm. So and now it's grown to how many did you have last time? Um, well, on the, on the last, when you aggregate them all up together, we granted 36 organisations, um, but this, uh, this grant funding that's just finished, end of February, then we've had 54, which is our most ever which is both really good and really bad because yeah. uh, you know you can't fund all of them no, unfortunately you have to start them picking out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but th that process in itself is really cool can yeah. I talk about that for a little bit absolutely because yeah. I, I think the thing um, you know this for me just grounds everything in uh, its engagement with the local team right so yeah. those they all come all the grant requests come in through the website goes yeah. to Amsterdam and then Anne-Marie pulls them all out yeah. and I like to name people because this is not some hidden process this happens uh, by people in the organisation. Anne-Marie pulls them out and she sends out all of the relevant ones to the UK and Ireland to Lisa and Becky. Yeah. Um, Lisa and Becky were, if I'm okay saying it, sorry Lisa, sorry Becky. Um, they looked at 54 and thought, oh my God, how are we going to be able to get through all of those? 
It's the first time, actually, uh, we've all been involved. So we've split them all out and we've sent them all out to all of the team. We've all had a certain number to look through. We've all looked through them. And then we've all said, okay, these are the ones that meet our criteria. I'd like to fund them this much. Or they don't meet these criteria. Maybe we should keep them so that we could find a way to be able to encourage them to do it right next time. Mm. Or these are ones that we can't fund and these are the reasons why. Sent it all back in. Uh, Lisa is on a call today with Anne-Marie. She's going through the ones that we said yes to. And then from there, they'll make another decision. Okay, yep, we agree. They're the ones that go through to the next stage. And then the next stage is the Grants Council, where Lisa and Becky, along with all the other coordinators across Europe, they uh, dial in and then they pitch each of the individual applications that we've said we want to fund these. And then there's a vote. Ooh. And then the ones that get the votes are the ones that get the, get the funding that we've right. all agreed. Which I think is just such a... It's a lot of hard work and yeah. it's the yeah. difficult way to do it, but so, it feels so like the, the right way so to do it. So actually people at Patagonia are actually selling those projects. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yes. So they, I guess they actually kind of really do kind of care about them. As 100%. They have a, we have a vested interest in it. Because yeah. you look at it and say, um, they meet all the criteria that we might have. And the, the things that we're really um, looking for is the relationships that we can develop, like yeah. the one that we developed with you guys. Yeah. You look at the things that we've done together in the last 12 months how we came up with a film about fish farming that I, I my understanding of fish farming when I was zero yeah. until that film. Uh, the same for my team. Some of my team are more informed than me, which is absolutely fine and good thing. Uh, you learn something, but actually what gives it credibility and weight and authenticity is when we can say, we've created this film as Patagonia. This is why we're interested in it, because we need to protect wild places. But actually, these are the people that have the understanding. We take a step back and then... Yeah somebody like Alistair, somebody like you, Dan, stands yeah, yeah. up and talks for it on our behalf, that makes a complete difference to the audience. Because I think the audience are past, uh, is there a climate crisis or not? Does this damage the environment or not? I think people understand a lot more on the challenges and what our way of life is creating in our local environments. Yeah, they want to feel like they can do something. And also, I guess, the message from the people that are delivering it is maybe the right message because people might get sceptical yes. around, especially around, there's been a lot of bra- bad press around CSR and some yes. people actually just saying yeah. they're going to do something. So the message is actually coming from... The right people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's cool. Amazing. And the, the movement of um, the climate crisis like, is happening, the yeah. sort of message that it is actually happening now, I think in the last year, it's become just so apparent. Uh, there's a lot of talk around sustainability within, um, I don't know, anything at the moment. <laughs> and um, we've never been comfortable with the word sustainable. Uh, we are, people talk about us being a sustainable company and we know we are not a sustainable company in the products that we make um, and how we make them. Although we do our best to minimise the impact and we do as much as we can do right now, then actually we're still having an impact. And um, how we are creating product is not sustainable. Uh, but we are a responsible company is the way that we're looking at it. We want to take more and more responsibility for the impact that we're creating in the drive to be as sustainable as possible at the, at whatever point we get to at what that time is. So you mentioned um, our carbon footprint. Then one of the ways that everybody's talking about this too, and quite rightly, is in five years' time, 2025, uh, we're aiming to be uh, 100% carbon neutral because um, that's not least. that far away is it 2025 no. that's a really short window no 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 but no. A, yeah. no. And, that, and that'll be 
um, all the way down our supply chain. So not just us as a as a, as a business operating in our offices. This will be all all of our product, all of our transportation from point of manufacture, from the mills that produce the raw materials yeah. through to the production of the jacket and when it's delivered to a customer. Yeah. Um, we're aiming to be, no, we will, we will be 100% and, and, it, and it seems to me that actually, because you're actually looking at, you know, being a responsible company, I guess you're not gonna go along the lines of just offsetting all your carbon, you're actually gonna physically, because I know a lot of organizations, how to achieve net zero yeah. just by offsetting. Yeah. Actually, if you're not making fundamental change to your business, we're not going to get anywhere. No, correct. So, is is that Patagonia's approach is to yes. actually understand how this all functions um, and try and tackle Yeah, we've um, we've been doing a lot of work for a long time um, on the. Uh, we understand the individual carbon footprint in the manufacture of every single one of our products. That's great. So we understand how much carbon um, is pulled out, and then we're looking at it and saying, okay, then um, how can we reduce the carbon? Um, that's used within the process of creating that. So yeah. there was um, there's a guy called Matt Dwyer, um, who's head of materials. I want to say something like that. Who works over in Ventura. Uh, he's every time you sit and speak to him, he's such an intelligent, uh, such an intelligent guy. But the way that he delivers these things and the depth that his understanding on material science is incredible. But there's little things that we've managed to do um, that have had a huge impact. So uh, product that we've got. Coming out uh, is our, one of our best sellers, the Nano Puff, for example, a synthetic jacket. Um, we've reduced uh, the f- carbon footprint of that product by 50% uh, this year uh, by changing the renewable and uh, changing the energy supplier for the manufacturer. So the manufacturer agreed. It took him a phone call, and I think it took him a thousand dollars to switch. So he moved to a completely renewable energy source. Now that vendor, um, that manufacturer. He doesn't just make Patagonia product, he makes product for a number of our other competitors. Cool. But you look at it and you say, well, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, you need to switch. So he switched, so all of those brands are also benefiting from the fact that he changed from a, a fossil fuel source to a renewable energy supplier, um, which is one great thing. But that, that cut our emissions by 30%. Right, yeah. Then we've changed the manufacturing process slightly and changed the raw material that goes in. Uh, so uh, face fabric completely recycled. We work with Primaloft to get the synthetic fill to use um, that's re- completely, what, no, 55% of it comes from recycled nylon, which is high as we can get it. Yeah. We're moving that up. And all of those steps mean that we reduce the carbon dioxide footprint by 55%. Yeah. So that, that's one way. Yeah. Then um, in across uh, all of our owned and operated, um, currently, we're at seventy-five percent of them are at renewable, um, using renewable energy. Right, cool. Um, there's an acceptance that oh, we're not going to be able to get everybody uh, to be able to be on a renewable energy because it just doesn't exist yet. Yeah. So offsetting um, is going to be necessarily yeah. necessary in certain parts, but not. Um, but not as the driver. Absolutely, and, and I, I presume how you work with grassroots organisations that actually when you are offsetting your carbon, it's actually going to directly to the right places. And the worry is that there's this whole thing about how many trees we're gonna plant, and are they gonna be planted in the, uh, yes. in the wrong areas. But as you've got good links already with grassroots organizations, you can kind of almost assure that they're gonna get put in the right places and they're gonna have lots of benefit beyond yeah. just carbon. Yeah. So I think 100%. you can set up really well to actually 
make a really good change. Do it, do it in the right ways, Absolutely. in the right places with the right people. Because cool. I, I was at a, a meeting, I had a, a 1% event recently and there was a guy called uh, Bill Lau from uh, We Forest. Okay. Um, and he talked about how many trees that his organisation have planted uh, because he's been going for a long time, which is uh, in the in the millions. Yeah. But he's done it in a sensitive way in areas that are being challenged from reforestation, yeah. from deforestation, um, and working with local villages. And those um, trees in inverted commas are actually ones that produce crops, yeah. which the village then uh, looks after, takes the crop and sells. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's creating this circle where you're not just removing carbon and planting a tree anywhere, yeah. um, it is actually creating a, an income stream for a village in a challenged area which looks after the ecosystem and the local environment because it delivers money for them because it's a crop that they sell that therefore look after it better. Awesome. Yeah, oh, that's good. I guess the thing is with you guys, you've got to take climate change seriously because your um, your customers live out they don't live outdoors, but their yeah. their passion is the outdoors, and and obviously with like people like protect our winters and things like that, like snows melting and your skiers that are your customers are, are struggling to find places to ski now and so like if you don't take climate change seriously you lose those customers in a way because they're you know they're yeah. directly affected by climate change yeah um that is definitely one way to look at it a, you know a cynical person could look at it and say okay um the reason why you're doing this is because you understand that um you're not going to be able to sell your product if you're not able to go skiing because there's no snow anymore um, and to a degree, the answer to that is, of course, yes, that's that's true. But then also, you'd also can't um, you also can't look at it from a person that's involved in the outdoors. If you're a skier, a climber, fisherman, an outdoors man or woman, you go hiking, you go camping, you do whatever, and not be concerned if there's no more snow. For example, it makes no difference what a company says. As a person, I'd be. I would be, and I am, completely dismayed by um, not being able to access and do some of the things that I'd like to do anymore, um, yeah. irrespective of whatever a company would. I mean, it's because you're now, as, as you're, you know, the people who work, you, who work for you, and everything, you, you guys are all outdoors people as well, aren't you? So it's all ingrained into you as well. So it's important there's a, there's a, a personal level. There's a mixture of us, um, uh, because there's, you know, for you, um, there's a mixture of us. We're not all. Because there's also perception as well. I always think when, you know, if you're an outdoors person, so if you're a climber, yeah. and certainly from the climbers that I meet at, at, at work anyway, they're always shit hot. Excuse my French, sorry. And I'm not. And I, I you know, I'm, um, I, I think there's this almost elitism that sometimes is there that I mean, we, we try that. not to. Yeah. We have that at the Rivers Trust. Everyone thinks you're an angler, and you're like, I've never fished in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of, you know, you kind of accept that actually there's different levels. Yeah. So. And I think one of the things, there's, there's people that I work with that um, like the outdoors, um, access the outdoors, but are probably involved with Patagonia because of mission and values as much as I might, my, my, my introduction to Patagonia is through the outdoors, 100%. Yeah. Um, and you know, you look at those things, there's a mixture of us. I think the one thing that we all have in common, irrespective of whether um, we all pursue certain activities, is that we all want to, uh, we all understand there's a climate crisis and we all want to be part of something that's, um, trying to do something about it. So, touched on the 1% for the planet, mm. um, so do you want to explain what that is? Because I don't think we maybe explained it at the start. Yep, um, so 
Uh, 1% for the Planet is an organisation uh, that was set up by Vaughn alongside a guy called Greg Matthews um, who owns a fishing shop over in um, America and um, the idea was that we would tax ourselves 1% of it started off as profits and then quickly changed to uh, the profits wasn't enough so it was global it was sales um, and the idea being that it's 1% uh, of overall sales because it needs to be that in order to have a lasting impact plus um, it was paid whether that we had a good year or a bad year. Um, it came about because there was, there was a student who was protecting uh, the Ventura River, which runs just outside that office. And uh, they were um, changing the way that the, 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 way that the river uh, discharged into the sea. Um, they said that the river was dead and there was nothing on it, so the impact was negligible. And this uh, student, a guy called Mark, um, he set up his own NGO. And then at a town meeting uh, where Yvonne went to, he just went along because he just didn't think, he thought it was a done deal and it was over. Um, and then Mark, the student, got up and he showed pictures of steelhead salmon. After that, then the next day, Yvonne set him up um, in the offices, donated, gave him some money, and they successfully stopped um, that uh, building work going ahead. Awesome. Wow. So the idea behind 1% was we take the 1% tax on our, on our uh, product sales and we give it to local NGOs uh, that are campaigning to stop um, environmental degradation. Thanks for all the hard work that you do uh, and supporting organisations like ourselves. How can people get involved uh, with Patagonia Action Works? Um, easy. Search Patagonia Action Works, yep. give us your email address and then we promise to send you updates on um, the NGOs that we support. Um, won't be anything else other than NGOs that we support. Amazing. Okay, and to wrap this up, uh, we always try, we, I think we've forgotten most times, but we're going <laughs> to try again, is uh, what is your favourite river and why? Um, uh, my, uh, so I, I could be I could take the easy route actually and say uh, my local river which is the River Wharf um, which fantastic river, fantastic river. <laughs> um, flooding at the moment and cut Ilkley off last week um, two weeks ago yeah. um, I could say the River Wharf and whilst it is important to me actually the most important rivers to me are the ones that run off the hills um, because that for me means that I'm outdoors and they could be big they could be small I don't care but it means that I'm outdoors I love the rivers that run off the hills awesome Perfect. Right, folks, that's that's it. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Make sure you, if you've not had a chance to listen to the other podcasts, make sure you uh, listen to them. Leave us a comment, some good reviews, and uh, hopefully be back soon with another one. Finally, thanks to North Sea Region Water Co-Governance Project for sponsoring this podcast.